Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from the communities across the state to your city's square. With your host, Mickey Shields, Director of Membership Services at the Iowa League of Cities, and Bethany Crow, the League's Communication Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Are we on? <laughs> are we? Okay. We really are. We are, okay. Not only are we on, we are in the city of Atkins. Yes. For to record this episode. February issue of The Square. Episode of The Square. You'd think episode. after seven or any of these, I'd get that right. Hey, no one's listening, so it's okay. No, <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> no, but it's really cool to be in Atkins for this one. It's a mm-hmm. special kind of treat uh, to go over here and see the city. And we're going to sit down with Mayor Bruce Visser and also talk to Eric Christensen from ISU Extension about some of the things going on here in Atkins, uh, like a lot of communities, it's uh, a smaller community, but it's also close to Cedar Rapids and it's experiencing some growth. So that's led to some discussions at the council level on how to handle that. So it's gonna be fun to get into that and talk about some of those issues and some of the progress that they've achieved here. But first let's talk about some things going on at the league. Yes, we always like to uh, get started on that. One thing that's uh, coming up here real soon, as in uh, real soon <laughs> in February is our legislative day. And so by the time you all listen to this, it might've already happened. And you should have come. And you should have come. You missed a great day. <laughs> <laughs> but that is our big legislative event of, uh, of the year. So if you're not able to make it. We'll do a recap uh, online and mm-hmm. um, you can always stay tuned throughout the legislative session with our legislative link, which comes out every Friday. Bethany yep. helps put that together when she's yep. not doing podcasting. It's a great publication. It is one of our best, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other things that we should talk about? Let's see. We have our bag and golf fundraiser coming up in June. That registration will open in April, so people should save the date for June 14th. That's right. And our annual conference, of course, is in September. And I would like to personally encourage people to apply for the league's all-star community award. That deadline's yes. also in early April. So. Yeah, that's one of those uh, ones that we talk about a lot is the one of the greatest ways to not only get some recognition for your work, but share with others mm-hmm. on some of the things that you've done that could be applied in mm-hmm. other communities. Right. We also are planning our new system abatement conference. It's something we actually work with Eric at ISU Extension uh, to help put together. It's a big topic, as many cities know. And then in, in June, our small city workshops will be held and we'll be focusing in on some housing issues with that one, some training there. All right. Is that it? Is that all we have going on? I think that's our list. Uh, There's plenty more, but that's all (laughs) all we have time for today. All right. Well, let's get started with our uh, first interview in this episode. We're going to be talking to Eric Christensen, again, from ISU Extension. And Eric, now that you're sitting down at the table with us, can you first like kind of describe for our listeners your role with ISU Extension and some of the services that you and your team provide? So um, my role with Iowa State Extension is that I'm a local government field specialist. A field specialist for us just means that I'm not based on campus um, and that most of my work is going to be out kind of in the field um, working with communities. Um, I'm based on the Lynn County office in Cedar Rapids. I live in Iowa City, so I'm a little bit more of a kind of in enemy territory here, but able to provide um, uh, resources to parts of the state where generally um, Iowa State isn't maybe as well represented. Mm-hmm. I'm on the local government team, which there's about five of us that are really focused on local government things, and that's from cities, counties, townships, um, all of those, and also nonprofits. So we work with um, all of those different areas, and that's you know in a wide range of things. But it's really trying to provide resources and training, and you know connect them with, with researchers at the university on a, a wide variety of topics. I mean, 
you know, a lot of your members probably know about mm-hmm. some of the programs that we provide. But one of the newer ones that we're doing, especially um, in the past year, as unfortunately the um, with the closure of the Institute of Public Affairs at the University of yeah. Iowa, we're trying to pick up some of those services that, that were provided by Jeff before. Mm-hmm. And a big one um, that we wanted to make sure didn't go away is um, these uh, goal setting and strategic planning right. for cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely critical. And I, I did have to resist the urge to talk about the enemy territory. I knew this was um, going to come um, up. <laughs> as a native of Iowa City, you know, the entire state is our territory. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh it is the Hawkeye State. Um, so uh, let's continue oh. on <laughs> and talk about stuff that people probably want to listen to. And that is the goal setting strategic plan. You mentioned that the Institute of Public Affairs closed at UI, and that would have left a void if somebody hadn't picked up because so many communities uh, need that community, the goal setting and strategic planning. And in particular, they need it in a, in a way they can afford it. Uh, and that's one of the the advantages of a state institution, a regent's institution, providing that you're not in it to make money necessarily. You're just needing to provide the service because we know it needs to be needs to be done. Um, so, what are I just what are the benefits for any city out there that they're thinking about doing it? Uh, what would what would they get out of those types of sessions? Yeah, um, and you know, as much as we may go back and forth on Cyhawk Day, we, we were <laughs> able to work with Jeff quite a bit, um, sure. kind of seeing the writing on the wall and, and preparing, because, you know, we both we both share that that goal of making sure that yeah. these services are around. And I think the big, the big reason that we encourage cities to do goal setting, you know, in general, and also on specific issues is that it's really easy um, as a city or any organization to kind of focus on the day to day, you know, the things that you have to do all the time. And then every once in a while, a crisis comes up or it might be something really good, like a new business coming to town. It might be a natural disaster. And so just between those kind of things, it can be really easy to just kind of keep going without really thinking about the direction you're going or the kind of community you want to be. Um, And so, you know, we just encourage cities at least once a year to kind of sit down. It doesn't have to take a long time, maybe a couple, three hours um, and, and go through a session to really say, okay, with that little bit of time that's left beyond the day-to-day of running a city, where do we want to go? What kind of a community do we want to be? What are we going to spend that little extra bit of, you know, our human resources and, and finances on um, trying to move forward? Yeah. Um, and it, it really helps staff, too, because they don't have to then go to council asking all the time. You know, right. They have some idea what the direction is. Absolutely. Well, shifting gears to where we're actually sitting today physically, and that's here in Atkins, yeah, Atkins City Hall which is a beautiful facility, and um, they've really made some improvements here. You look right down the street is the uh, newer wastewater treatment facility, some amenities and infrastructure that's really necessary for this community. So you guys have done some work here, and can you describe what your role has been uh, helping them chart their path moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, the reason, like, Atkins came to mind when we were talking about, you know, this goal setting is that I believe this was the first one that I did by myself. So I'm very thankful to Atkins for having, uh, having trusted me, um, yeah. you know, as, as Jeff was phasing out to, to kind of take that over. And one thing, you know, now that I've done several more of these, like looking back at Atkins, Atkins really stood out as being one where there wasn't a whole lot of conflict, really. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's really heading more or less on the same direction. I think they've been through a lot as mm-hmm. a city um, in terms of growth, um, dealing with the new water treatment plant, other things like that. And they've really come through it fairly focused, fairly on the same page as to what needs to happen moving forward. And so it was really a good process of kind of sitting down with them, laying that out there, kind of deciding what their focus areas are and 
and putting forward a plan to try to get mm-hmm. that done over the next you know one or two years. Right. So when you sit down with a city like Atkins, you're looking at you're kind of assessing their current and most recent kind of work that they've completed, but then also over the next year or two, what do we need to achieve? Right. And that's what they've done here. Yeah, definitely. Well, the way we do the session is we'll kind of start, yeah, by what are the accomplishments that you've seen, you know, and that's good to make the cities realize, hey, we right. do get things done. You know, we've actually be, done some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it can be overwhelming sometimes yeah. to think, oh, with all the stuff we have on our plate to begin with, how can we add any more? Well, if you look back, right. you know, you you've been successful. Um, and so what's where do we want to go? Kind of setting that vision first and then and then really drilling down into, okay, what are the things that need to happen mm-hmm. to get us there? And, and trying to attach some names to those things, too. Right. Okay, who's going to make sure that things move forward in those areas? Mm-hmm. So any fun or interesting stories from your travels around the state? You said you've done a few of these now. What kind of stands out to you from those sessions? Yeah, I, everyone's been really different, which is is exciting and, and why this is a lot of fun. And, you know, I think on the other side of, at you know, opposite side, from Atkins, where sometimes there are a lot of big issues that need to be worked through, um, where sometimes a city, you know, sometimes people, once we get through the process, they look up there and they're, some individuals are, are surprised at what came out. One city um, that I was working in that has done a lot in tourism recently, I think we got to the end of the process and uh, a couple people looked up there and said, oh, tourism's actually kind of far down in our priorities. That seems like this is wrong. Maybe we need to go back and revisit and I think kind of working with the group that, no, actually, they've done a lot in tourism. And it's now one of those things they just do. But maybe it's time to turn toward economic development or housing for the next year or two. This isn't a forever plan, but, you know, mm-hmm. how are we going to move forward in the next few months? Any favorite places to visit? He can't answer that question. <laughs> you, you set him up to fail, Mickey. This time of year, any place with a freshly plowed streets. Right. Yeah. To visit. Well, Atkins qualifies. That's yes. right. So if a city is interested in uh, getting you guys to come out and help out, what should they do? Well, they can get in touch with me directly. Um, my email is ejchr at iastate.edu um, or, or my cell phone number, if I can give that out. Is. That's up to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've got listeners wide and far, surprisingly. <laughs> Well, We've had some, a few citizens. If you want some citizen calls coming your way. <laughs> I guess I can always block. <laughs> uh, it's a 515-231-6513. And, and I'm happy to get calls there. Otherwise, our, our website is extension.iastate.edu slash communities slash local government. And you can find all the information about the goal setting and other programs we provide there. Right. Finally, they can call you they, and, and they they'll forward them on. Can. That's right. That's, and we have instructed our members... Uh, to give us a call if they're ever needing that kind of help, and we'll get them connected with Eric and his team. And it's something that, before we close out, I would just say that this is absolutely critical mm-hmm. to every community. I think a lot of times even smaller communities want to think that, well, we don't have much going on. We don't even have a stoplight in town. Why do we need to do planning? And I would argue the counterpoint to that, that you're probably even needing it more because you need to get on the same page together. And even if it's just a very simple one-page, two-page plan, that's better than nothing. So give us some thought. Every community out there should be doing something in this regard. And I think the folks at, with Eric and I, at ISU can really help you out. So guys, is there a better time of year that cities should do this? I would lean toward before budgeting mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, a lot of times that's going to influence mm-hmm. what you're going to want to do. But 
at the same time, I would say there's do never it. a bad time. Right. Just do right. it. Just never do a it. bad time yeah. to plan. And yeah. you're, you're going to be budgeting again before you know it. So. That's right. Perfect. Hey, well, thanks, Eric, for coming up, uh, up to Atkins and joining us here in this beautiful community and spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, for this episode's Your Questions Answered segment, we have a question about paying council members. So are you required to pay council members, Mickey? Or what if a council member wants to do work for the city as an independent contractor as well? How does that all work out? That is a very frequent question we get from cities and it especially during budget season, everyone's looking at the city's finances and whatnot. So on the first side of that, the state code in 372.13, subsection 8, requires you as a city to 372.13, subsection 8. That (laughs) is the state code. I know. He Uh, doesn't even have this written on his paper, folks. Like, this is off the top of his head. And this is a question we get a lot. So (laughs) I've had to look this state code up a lot. Um, but that state code requires city councils to uh, compensate, set, set their council compensation by ordinance. So the next question is the follow-up to that is always, can we pay them zero? Yes, you can set your compensation to be zero, but it has to be in your ordinance. You have to have an ordinance that details the compensation for the mayor and council. And typically cities pay per meeting, so mm-hmm. maybe 50 bucks per meeting or something like that. That's fine. That's your compensation. You have to compensate your members at that point. They cannot uh, reject pay. Is this mayor and council? Mayor and council. And they can have different rates of pay. That's fine. Many cities do. The mayor gets typically a little bit more because typically the mayor has to do a little bit more uh, ceremonial type duties. Uh, mm-hmm. Some In some smaller communities, they're actually uh, the chief administrative officer. So they're mm-hmm. in here at City Hall doing more stuff. So that's all fine. Then there's always a follow-up to this as well, and that is, can we pay a council Mm -hmm. member as an independent contractor? Again, this is all communities, but typically our smaller communities, they ask this question because like snow removal this time of year, uh, they may not have a a company in town that can do snow removal uh, for the city. So they have to kind of scramble and look for somebody that can do it. If that person is a council member that has the ability uh, as a contractor to clear streets with the blade on a truck. Can we do it? Yeah, you can do it, but it has to be done as an independent contractor and as a, uh, as a contract. You cannot pay that person, council member, as a city employee. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest catch to that. You, they, a city council member cannot also be employed by the city at the same time. They can do contracted work for the city. So to set it up like that, as you can imagine, talk to your city attorney. If you're <laughs> going to go down that road, make sure that contract is clear and concise and spelled out and, meet, and meets the state code requirements. So here's another question that kind of complicates this. What if a council member wants to, doesn't want to get paid, but your ordinance says you pay them and they want to yes. refuse payment or donate it back to the city or whatever? Right. Yes, this comes up quite a bit. It's, 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 it's on one side, I see why a council member want to kind of refuse their pay. They, they want, they see it as a volunteer position with the city and that's noble. And I think that's great. But uh, I go back to the state code. It requires you to compensate your council members according to your ordinance. So if your ordinance says we compensate our council members 50 bucks per meeting, you've got to do it. Because if you don't, you're violating your own ordinance. So you have to do it. You have to run it through payroll and then cut them a check. If they want to write it right back to the city, they certainly can. That's pretty common for council members to do that aren't interested in getting paid for that work. Um, but they, you have to run it through payroll and that would apply income taxes and all that fun stuff. So as a city, you have to do that. That's by law. 
Perfect. Well, thanks for the answer, Mickey. Thanks for the question. <laughs> it's a good one. Well, we're really happy to have Mayor Bruce Visser from the city of Atkins with us to uh, talk a little bit more about what's going on here in this wonderful community. And first, was just uh, wanted to ask you, Bruce, uh, how long have you served on the council and uh, what motivated you to run for office? Well, it's great to be with you folks, too. It's kind of fun to do this. Yeah, glad it sure to have is. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I've been mayor now for just over a year, and um, my motivation is just to help the community. No real political aspirations or anything like that, but the uh, my background has been involved with the city as far as planning and zoning for a number of years, as well as I have been mayor previous to this okay. um, about 20 years ago. Okay. So it was, uh, we'd gone through our phase in life where our, our kids are grown, getting ready to retire, had some free time. So you came back for an encore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, it's a great community. It's um, a bunch of great people in town, and it's nice to be involved in something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, just want to do my part, I guess. Sure. Well, I'm sure everyone here... And the league thanks you for your service. Uh, it's not easy being mayor or a council member. It's not easy being city clerk, but somebody's got to do it. And I, again, I think the looking around the community is, is sure seems like you all are doing a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little about this city called Atkins. What's going on here? Um, you know, it's a smaller community. We're fairly close to Cedar Rapids. It's gone through some change. I'm sure you could attest to that. And you'll tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so how are you and the council handling all that? Well, Atkins is on the eastern side of Benton County. We're really just a mile from Lynn County. The whole area around Cedar Rapids has seen quite a bit of growth, and we have uh, been affected by that. And I think that's occurring across the state and a lot of the major metropolitan areas, mm -hmm. the smaller communities around have really had to uh, absorb some of that growth. And it's an attractive area. Yeah, It's a nice community. Um, school district does a great job. But overall, we're just seeing growth from from that aspect, just being in our proximity to Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as Atkins itself, it's it's some of what you call a bedroom community. We don't have a, well, we have a grade school. It's essentially a bedroom community. Yeah. And it's growing fairly fast. I guess I, guess I have some numbers here, but yeah. in, in uh, 2010, we had a population of 1,670. In 2000, we had 977. Okay. So uh, we expect our next census to be around 2,000 people. Okay. So we're growing quite fast. We've right. had a lot of new housing units. Mm -hmm. That's um, brought a lot of, you mentioned changes, how, mm -hmm. we're in, how we're handling that. The big thing, I think, to handle is just to recognize that it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, you, you try to make it as best you can, keep the flavor of the community, which is family-oriented, safe, and just keep pushing for those kinds of things. Right. I think that attracts people to it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's not uh, dissimilar from other communities, as you mentioned, in some other metro areas where uh, bedroom communities that are experiencing some growth. And there is a challenge there in trying to maintain your culture, your identity as that bedroom community, because that's what originally attracted people to it. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, understand that change is happening and we have to mm -hmm. uh, maybe not fully embrace it, but we know it's here and we're going to have to make, make sure we handle it well. So that's kind of leads us to our next question here. And how does how has goal setting and strategic planning helped you and the council and the community deal with some of that so the growth is managed well? Well, I think the 
goal setting has been going on for quite a few years in Atkins. We recently worked with Eric Christensen mm -hmm. through the Iowa City Extension to hold a goal setting session for this council that was held last um, around the 1st of November last year. During that, we evaluate our goals, where we want to be in the next few years. They set the vision for the community. But really, that's been happening, too, with our comprehensive plans. We've done, I think, three of those mm -hmm. in the last 20 years. Okay. Those comprehensive plans also in include a lot of that visioning, how we're going to get there, what does the community look like in 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So the most recent goal-setting session was to really nail down more than the more uh, immediate things we wanted to tackle. Okay. And some of those are infrastructure. And uh, because of that, helps bring the council together as far as what we see and how we, uh, how we see what each other wants to do so we can kind of work together on them. Right. Well, that's, that's one thing I was, uh, was, if you don't mind expanding on a little bit, because I'd beyond the, the technical details that may go into a goal setting, uh, a plan or a strategic plan, or even a comprehensive plan is the, the benefits you receive from getting everybody on the same page. So what's that, how has that helped you all? Because uh, I could imagine, like, just like a lot of other communities, five council members plus the mayor, not everybody's going to see things exactly the same way. So how has that kind of, that goal-setting process brought you all together? I think a lot of it's the matter of just discussing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't have one or two members that think one way and the remainder think a different way, but they all think each other is seeing the same thing. But by discussing and having those planning sessions, it draws that out to where you can write it down, put it on paper, discuss what does that really mean. Dwight Eisenhower said that plans are nothing, but planning is everything. <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with just the process of the planning process just brings out clarity, writing it down, right. just setting up those things, the expectations. So we all know what, what does success look like yeah. in two years. So just the process, I think, helps a lot. Yeah. So what do you think Atkins will look like in, I don't know, 10, 20 years? Well, we think it's going to be bigger. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, larger. Uh, again, due to our proximity, that's probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently with Highway 100 opening, that's made our commute much shorter. I know I've spent, it's impacted my commute mm -hmm. to Cedar Rapids. So... I would say it's going to be larger, and hopefully we'll have more commerce involved. We don't know what that's going to look like yet, but... You have 10 or 20 years to figure it out. That's something. right. That's right. <laughs> but with our past history, um, mm -hmm. it's going to be a sizable change probably as, as time goes forward. But overall, we, we hope to keep the, you might say, the culture or the mm -hmm. flavor of the community. Mm -hmm. I like to call it flavor of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as it is, mm -hmm. and just enhance on that, and then spruce things up a bit as far as uh, our growth does provide some opportunity as well as challenges. Mm -hmm. And some of the opportunities are we have the chance to make some changes in some areas that are going to have to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can think about those a little bit. Uh, I call it sprucing up things that mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. sat for a long time. Mm -hmm. But that that's always a possibility. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. What... Um you know, you're a mayor, you've been mayor a couple of times now and been working in uh, or some ways with the community for a long time. What would you tell to some mayors out there perhaps haven't done goal setting or strategic planning uh, to get started? What what would be your tip to them to uh, improve their own communities? Well, I think the 
the Iowa State Extension did a good job preparing us for a session. Mm -hmm. I'd say that would be one area to start with mm -hmm. is to have somebody help you do it. It's tempting to say, well, we could sit down together in a, in a room, write things on the wall, or maybe put it down on paper and hash it out. But I think it's good to have a different viewpoint, mm -hmm. ask the questions, mm -hmm. um, make some recommendations, just in either how you're acting as far as during in re responding to each other during the session. But beyond that, it's just to provide some structure to it. Yeah. Uh, write, th write the items down, provide a good report, mm -hmm. and then you can re refer to it later. But I would say try to work something into the budget where that can happen, and I, I think you'll benefit from it. Yeah, that's a great tip. Great tip. Well, I think that's all we have. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like us to know about your community or your strategic planning process? I would say, too, that the plans and the planning process, I think anytime we've done these, You'll find it difficult to do everything you, you thought you could do when you mm -hmm. left the meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just the time element. There's the budget mm -hmm. element. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's the reality of, <laughs> of dealing with other people that are outside your control, whether it's landowners, yes. um, legal regulations, things like that. So yeah. I would say don't get discouraged. But um, if you can accomplish one or two things, it's probably going to be worth it to, to spend the time and effort to do some planning like that. Yeah. For sure. That's so, great advice. So that's the only thing I guess I'd add to it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for joining the square this month. Well, you're welcome. All righty. Yeah. It was good to have you. Thank you. Thanks to Eric Christensen and Mayor Visser. And, but we're now we're ready for the get to know your league segment. And this episode, we have our very own Ryan Peeler, who we have talked about a lot on mm -hmm. the podcast, oh, yeah. but have never talked to. So thanks for joining us, Ryan. Well, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I get to listen a lot. I don't get to talk too much. So. <laughs> this is the only time that's true, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Ryan is a very patient person, by the way, to be dealing with us. Yes. I appreciate that because I see that as one of my bigger weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a question. You didn't have to admit that. Yeah, well. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up, go to school? I grew up in Cedar Rapids, actually. And, so not uh, far from here. Not too far from here. Um I went, uh, went to Jefferson when I was in Cedar Rapids, um, ended up moving halfway across the state from my current wife, and, well, here, here, here we are, you know. Uh, so you live in Winterset now? I do live in Winterset right now. The beautiful yep. community of Winterset. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll say that, yeah. You were um, just and, telling us on the drive over here how much you like living in that community. I do like Winterset. I like it because it's small, and I like it because it's safe for my kids. Yeah. Um, it does have the small town issues that every small town has, though. Sure. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So when you're not in the office, where can you be found? In about any county in Iowa. If there's a disc golf course, you'll <laughs> probably find me there. That's where I, that's where you'll probably see me. Is that something else you like about Winterset? You said. No, that's something I dislike about oh. my town. <laughs> is that we are the only county in the state that's without a disc golf course. You might so, be able to change that. And our winner set listeners, let's <laughs> get on this. And, and I'm currently working on changing that because we started a nonprofit in Winterset to open a open a disc golf course there. See, that's citizens in, cool. citizens in action right there. Yeah, I'm learning a lot more about government than I knew before. <laughs> cool. Where's your favorite place to play disc golf? My favorite place to play disc golf currently. Ooh, um, How about we'll start with? I would uh, say Atlantic. I'd oh, say really? Atlantic, Iowa. Cool. Yeah, they have a gorgeous park. It, 18 holes? 18 holes, real tall, mature trees. The park has been there for years. It has the old uh, 
50s exercise equipment in it. Oh, you know, yeah. the the railroad ties that they used to climb over mm-hmm. and stuff like that is still there. So it's really, it's a cool park. You know, it's been there for a while. So it's just, it, it's a neat place to hang out. What's the toughest course? The toughest course by far is Wildcat in Urbana. Wow. And I've never played it yet, but I've heard some very hor- very horrible <laughs> stories about that course. It's it's uh, it's rated the, the top rated course in the state, but it is difficult for sure. And any thoughts on Sugar Bottom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Iowa City and me. Yeah. A redesign would be great. Uh-huh. That's, you don't like that last hole? Well, it's only it's it's been that way since the eighties. I mean, we are talking yeah, thirty years later. Yeah. You know? I love. That. I can tell you're obviously passionate about this and that your sh- wife shares your passion right it's she something you does guys do together and she does yeah um when we first got together she would just walk around the park mm-hmm. and then a couple of years ago we went to chase down my daughter in the park and she was playing with another little girl and they were tossing back and forth a disc golf disc and i walk up to her dad and i'm like uh, is that a golf disc or you know is there something i don't know here is there a golf course Oh no, I'm just a, you know, I'm a golfer and I came around and I'm, that just turned the tide for me, dusted off everything, <laughs> sold all my quadcopter stuff and back into, <laughs> back into golf I was. Perfect. Cool. So what is the, uh, what is the best career advice you've ever received? I received it from my dad a long time ago. I looked at this question ahead of time cause it was, it was, this is one that was hard for me and it's. You do have the advantage of hearing all of the other <laughs> I interviews do. I've, and I've knowing heard, I've heard, these I've heard everybody else's <laughs> reply. So, um, so you're going to top that, right? Uh, top it, I will not. Um, my best advice, the best advice I've gotten is live to work, don't work to, or I'm sorry, work to live, don't live to work. Yeah. Um, enjoy yourself outside. Don't, don't dedicate yourself to just working. That's pretty much the best advice I've had. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Mm-hmm. So what do you enjoy... Speaking about work, what do you enjoy <laughs> about working at the league? I I worked in the corporate industry, in the corporate part of IT for a long time, and it's very, very frustrating to work there. There's a lot of backbiting politics, a lot of – I've had companies sold out from under me go in one day, and it's not there when you get back. Um, I liked I liked the reliability of the league, and I really like the people at the league. Um, it's – fun it's it's a good place to go i can i can always guarantee myself a laugh i can always <laughs> you know uh, be it good or bad it's a laugh and i need that every day mm-hmm. i think everybody does so uh mickey and i have been having this discussion for several episodes now what is it that you do at the league what is it that what exactly <laughs> we've is always it? kind of hinted at it that you're the yeah. it guy this, but what this kind of mean? this kind of feels like a what is that office space what exactly is it that you <laughs> do here um <laughs> What is it that you do? <laughs> right. I, the easiest way for me to explain this to everybody is if it plugs in, I fix it. There you go. If it plugs into the wall, if it plugs into the floor, if it Computer. plugs in, it's yeah. it's me. Right. It, uh, I will take care of it. Um, I, it, was, it was a hobby for a long time, and it turned into it turned into a job. Sort <laughs> of like this podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. We yeah, really... thanks for letting me come on. I mean, you didn't I, have much, much of a choice. No, I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, they have me trapped in a little room. Please, somebody <laughs> save me. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I, I enjoy doing the podcast and I really hope we just keep going. It's well, a great time because we won't be able it's to do it without time. you. Yeah, it's on you. Mickey and I are replaceable, <laughs> but you are not. <laughs> I don't know that I go that far, but I appreciate the compliment. Mm. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Thank you.
All right, let's move on to this month's trivia question. Actually, let's start with last month's yes. and answer that one. And the question was, which city had the largest increase in population from 2000 to 2010? And so we answered this question by sheer number of residents, not percentages, mm -hmm. which, you know, there are a lot of different oh, yeah. ways to take that. So the answer is... The city of Ankeny, which mm -hmm. had a growth of 18,465 residents from 2000 to 2010. So quite a big jump in that community. Anyone that's been to Ankeny could probably uh, see that mm -hmm. right away. And I think we're ready for our monthly trivia for next yes. for this one. Yes. So the February trivia question is, um, well, it's Library Lovers Month in addition to a bajillion other months. I mm -hmm. feel like February is a very popular month to celebrate things. But uh, so our trivia question this month is the the smallest community in the United States to be granted a Carnegie Library is in Iowa. Which city is it? And this, I have no idea. I am interested to hear the answer for sure. Well, I have a little hint. Um, I have held a library card and checked out many, many a books from this library. Ooh. So that does there's a hint. Down. If you listen to the episode where Bethany was our featured guest, uh, Yes, League our, guest, you could probably put some uh, pieces together on this. Google's one. also helpful, but that's kind of <laughs> cheating. That's true. <laughs> well, we don't we don't condone so, that. So there you go. <laughs> well, thanks all to, to listening and enjoying this podcast with us. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with everything going on at the league with League Weekly. Again, legislative link during legislative session. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and LinkedIn. And then also, you can send in your questions uh, that you may have and trivia answers to. The square at iowaleague.org. We'll see you next month. See you on the square. Yeah.